decoded. Welcome to Founder Tech Decoded. I'm delighted to welcome to the call Ifti Nasser, the founder of Vested. I feel it's really important to have this conversation if we think about all startups. They essentially always boil down to shares and equity, to who has what, when they acquired that stake, and what eventually that stake will be worth. And as ever in this space, when you actually examine the current structure of how shares are issued, managed, awarded, uh, how, how people redeem the value for those shares, we're still stuck on a very, very old model. And I think what IFTI is doing invested is integral to moving the space to a whole new landscape where shares are dynamic and, and shares are fluid and shares are agile as is so much with what other entrepreneurs are doing in the found tech space so ifty welcome to the podcast and um yeah if you want to maybe tell us a little bit about when you launch vested and 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 start maybe with like we always try and kind of start with like the, the, the source code that you were addressing like the core assumptions and the bugs in those assumptions of how things were traditionally behaving and why you thought actually i'm gonna take this on and, and try and re-engineer it and make it better so it'd be great if you could just start with that hi there dan uh thanks for uh, inviting me along uh for for the for the chat Pleasure. I, I guess yeah, as you said, Vested actually started off back in 2014, but it started off as a, a very different proposition. Um, we believe that equity, which is the lifeblood of any business, uh, is something that shouldn't just be available to people bringing cash, because they're not the only people who um, create the business. It's everybody who brings uh, other pieces to it, their endeavor, um, strategic suppliers, etc. So there's lots of people who help a business grow. And if everybody has a stake in it, that makes a big difference. And it's something that I learned about while uh, I was at Stanford back in you know, 2000 and 2003. Um, uh, and that was uh, around this notion that if you have a stake in an enterprise, your relationship with it changes emotionally, psychologically, what you bring to the table changes and so what we wanted to do is make sure that early stage startups had the ability to access um, the knowledge the experience and the funding that they required to, to move their business forward um, the early uh, stage of, of vested was essentially a marketplace uh, where it was equity essentially for expertise um, uh, as, a, as a starting point it evolved because that marketplace uh, was difficult to to work through the the the, the UK um, pace of, of building businesses and support out there for uh, for from an investment uh, perspective and the um, timescale required for founders and counterparties to build that that relationship between one another such that they have the, the trust um, that marketplace. Uh, uh, then evolved to realizing that actually we can't serve both sides of the market uh, of this marketplace to start off with. We need to focus in on one, and what we focused in on is the the company side 
uh, of that allowing founders to then deploy equity against anybody who's helping them but they choose so we don't do the, the matchmaking which which is what the original idea was um, since we made that change um, back at, in the uh, at the end of 2016 early 2017 it's been very straightforward because we've been able to focus on one side of the, the business anybody a founder needs to help them build their business, whether it's employees, whether it's co-founders, contractors, uh, advisors, etc., and indeed investors. Through the vested platform, the founder can arrange uh, an equity-related transaction, be it options, be it uh, actual shares, be it conditional shares, such that the person will get the benefit of the shares and the share value growth from the point of which they made the agreement. Hmm. However, the shares or the options or whatever it is don't become that person's until they've fulfilled what the promise was. There's so many founders out there who on the back of a promise of, of something might give, um, let's say, a, a, an advisor a number of shares or a co-founder a number of shares. And then that co-founder may well disappear after six months. Pulling those shares back is not impossible, uh, but it generally takes a lot of uh, cost and pain uh, in doing so. So, yeah, it's one of those transactions that people are fearful of going into. Um, and what we do is make that whole transaction safe. And there's so much there. But one of the first questions I want to ask you was, is when you were designing Vested, imagining it like a, almost like tectonics, the layer that you had to build on in terms of the structure around how shares work and you know how, how startups are engaging currently in a legal structure, accounting structure, um, diligence structure. How hard was that to engineer and navigate through to turn it into a platform where all of that's kind of handled and inbuilt? How, how painful was that on a scale of one to 10? I imagine it very, but I'd love to hear how, uh, the challenges there. I guess it starts off with the um, the initial concept, which was a marketplace. And as I said, it was a, a a place where founder could use their equity essentially as a currency for anybody who was going to help them with their knowledge or or endeavour. So if you think about a, a founder looking for a CT, uh, a, a technical uh, contributor or an engineer to help them, then the founder would put out in this uh, the vested marketplace their dream, scheme, and team. So the dream would be articulating the problem. Uh, what is it that the, the founder is looking to solve? The scheme was the solution, the, the way in which they're going to address this, this problem. And the team was they themselves and whoever else they've already got on board to, to help them, i.e., are these people relevant to addressing that problem in the way that they've articulated that they're gonna if if the the counterparty thought that the dream the scheme and the team all uh seem valid for them then they might be willing to uh contribute some of their time uh and knowledge to to the um to the, to the business to the startup in exchange for an equity reward one of the challenges that we had to start off with was because we were working with real shares rather than tokens or or some other kind of uh, um, tool, we actually had to be regulated. 
Um, we tried to avoid that regulation for a while because we knew it would come with a lot of uh, constraints and obligations. Uh, but after a while, it, it became evident that that wasn't going to be possible if we were going to do this properly, i.e. with real equity. So it took us, you know, having built what we thought was an MVP and then started the legal um, structures around it, it then took another six to seven months to get our FCA authorization and, and regulation approved. It was only after that that we could even test out the, the proposition in real life. And it was only at that stage it became evident that the wavelength, the timeline associated with making that marketplace and the reward structure that we'd got, uh, we'd put in place, which was essentially being able to take a, a, a cut from the success of the business, i.e. when they exited maybe three, five years down the line, it just wasn't going to be a, a viable proposition for us. It, was, it needed a lot more resource and a lot more time than we had available. So just to be clear, your original model was that you would participate in the upside and that just wasn't tenable. Is that, that, is that that's right. Uh, because yeah. time horizon was going to be too long. And just that um, that that time in building the relationships was, was too difficult really for, for us to, to be able to sustain, yeah. given that um, the, the objectives that we, we'd had. So what we decided to do, we take that authorization that we had from the FCA and focus on one side of that of that uh, marketplace, which was the company. Uh, and so allowing the, the founder of the business to use their equity to reward everybody who was going to help them. And they'd already know who they wanted to help them, uh, whether it's their employees or advisors or consultants, so as we mentioned earlier, Ned's classic, classic one is uh, rewarding Ned's. Um, and then allowing to build, put together the structures without the normal cost and complexity that stop people from uh, from doing this um, uh, and just making it, it possible. Let, 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 let's just I just want to focus on on this idea of um, equity early on being a reward because there is there's a double-sided nature to this once you spend any time in the space and I'd love to get your view on it which is yes you need to be able to incentivize good people. Right. And yes, you need to be able to get them to buy in. And as you said, have an ownership mindset into whatever the, the venture is. But equally, you can see when you give and I, th I think you've catered to this, but you can see when you, you know, when founders give out equity to freely and cheaply early on to the wrong people. This is a huge, huge problem. And that compounds itself even further when there are less and less really, really good people that you want in that in your dream scheme and team um, the team is getting harder and harder and harder in, in many ways what we're finding in the conversations and um, I, I find in our in, in our own work um, is that the the products becoming less and less of a differentiator right it's just it's just easier and easier to build product but the people and this whole idea of value add money and all that kinds of stuff is, is now much vaunted as a as an indicator of, of where the startups at the ability to attract the right people but as, as you know, in the early stages, it's so fuzzy, um, even if you've got good people, as to what whether those people are going to be right in three months to six months. Can you tell me how you address that really key dynamic in this space? The, the first thing is realising that equity is not just something that you hold on to and just share with people who are bringing cash to the table. Yeah. It is very important for that because the cash is 
it is imperative to, to move forward but it's not the only thing that's important it, it is everybody bringing their best to the to the table but one of the biggest problems out there is um, this notion of um, a promise versus an actual delivery all of everybody listening to this podcast will have been promised the sky uh, uh, and on some occasion or another been delivered something well short of it what the 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 platform that we have put together does is makes sure that everything is subject to the quid pro quo being fulfilled so the shares or the options um, will be issued to the person based on what they've agreed to deliver as that delivery is made the shares or the options are released or vested or um whatever else is is required can you if can you zoom in and say how that's delineated so how if i if if if, if you are the founder and i'm i have a skill that i want to bring to the party a resource and you value that well, mm -hmm. what how do you delineate well in the, if we were having that conversation before we get to the platform and maybe the platform helps yeah. us as to what my kpis are my deliverables are what good faith looks like or all of those things how do you how do you deal with that so it's really down to you as the founder to first understand what it is that you need from from the counterparty um, for yeah and so long as the key um, deliverables are tangible measurable and specific it's easy enough then to to structure an agreement because let, let's say if it's a, um, a, a a team member an employee a more junior employee that's not really going to make the biggest difference to the strategic direction of the business but you want that person to stay you know one of the biggest challenges with um startups and smes is holding on to staff and attracting staff yeah so being able to give them this reward based on tenure and just keeping it very simple but either on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis than being able to see that their stake in the enterprise is growing because you can have you know monthly vesting quarterly vesting annual vesting but they can feel that connection to the business and it's really really powerful so for for more junior folk it's probably the, the simpler the better obviously so it might be uh, as straightforward as just tenure you stay with the business for the next three years you'll get this number of shares over this time horizon that will vest okay um, you'll issue or you'll have that agreement in place on day one you meant we talked earlier about EMIs um, the, the notion of uh, uh, the, the commitment being made on day one they're real and then whatever that time horizon the person needs to say you fulfill your your commitment when it gets to more uh, senior folk or more uh, strategically involved folk, let's say so something like a sales director or a yep. head of marketing you know there you've got very specific tangible measurable outputs that they're going to bring to the table if you can lay them out which you would do for any sort of bonus structure then you can set those um uh, the, the vesting schedule associated with that actual delivery so the commitment of the shares is given when you agree the deal so let's say when when the, the person uh, agrees to join you the shares are only worth a pound obviously yep. you're hoping this person's contribution is going to lift that share price 
over the next year, over the next several years to a, a number much higher. But you're not going to know that that delivery um, is going to be made until it's actually made. Yeah. Yep. So the, the issuance and the con contract, the agreement between the parties can be set up up front. The shares can be issued. The tax point established at that point in time. So that the most appropriate tax mechanism can be uh, uh, allowed to the person on success of the or completion of the um, of their contribution. So, OK, I, I, I think I understand. Let, let's let's just play devil's advocate for a second. Right. So let's just say we, you and I are having this conversation. I'm yeah. a, uh, I'm a, I know a startup literally is recruiting a salesperson at the moment at high end, you know, uh, yeah. freelance initially, exactly having this conversation. Let's say we engage and I'm in demand. You know, I'm good at what I do. I'm reputable. So that's all fine. And then you engage me um, for three to six months with KPIs. But then something like like with your business, something changes, it pivots and those goals change. Nothing to do with me, to do with you as the founder, that you've yeah. suddenly changed direction. And I've committed six months of my time and my, you know, re, my allocated the, 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 the financial reward, the, the, the freelance contract, and, you know, it, it, for that six months. What happens then when it's suddenly like you, you're having a difficult conversation with me saying, hey, Dan, look, nothing to do with you, but we've changed directions. Your, your skills, which were expertise in leisure, are no longer quite what we're looking for. We're now in sort of food products. You know what I'm saying? How do you deal with that walk back um, in, in that situation? Well, firstly, when a contract is set up, it's based on the two parties agreeing on what's going to be done. Now, if that person, uh, if that uh, uh, salesperson had, had come in and helped you and spent the, you know, the, the last three to six months doing what you'd asked them to do, and you've decided to pivot or change, then that's actually not down to them. So the reward that you, you gave them should hold. If they delivered what they had agreed to deliver. The fact that you've changed uh, your strategic um, direction or whatever is really down to you. However, if that person didn't deliver what you were asking them to, to deliver, then you can either cancel that uh, award or in the case of conditional shares, um, uh, you know, just uh, defer those those shares that have not been earned or the, the delivery has not been made against and then cancel. What, what have you seen in the space related? Because what you're talking about, again, which I think is like a common, common thread in the, in the founder tech space is taking something that was very rigid yeah. and, 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 and very hard to shift around and making it fluid and agile and adaptive, right? That seems to be the core uh, elements to this and, and creating new data points that enable new fluid um, so you could say and another example of this is say like the introduction of advanced subscription agreements in deals right you know where where you're seeing deals close um, sometimes in it, that day because the instrument is suited to an early stage a conversation you both parties agree both parties are comfortable and you and, and and so what you're what you're talking about uh, uh, aligns with that my interest is, is is if we're all creating these tools that, that with, with with that new inbuilt fluid fluidity and kind of agile nature how long does it take for the um i guess the behaviors and the assumptions and the biases of the market to catch up so this is where i think there's the opportunity for people who jump in this space now there's just a, ch a chance to 
you know, uh, behave completely differently in a much, much better way for both all parties concerned. Yeah. But how do you? But there's so much legacy in this space, right? There's so much bias, there's so much behavior that isn't very good. There's bad hate, faith behavior, and then there's just genuinely people don't know any better. So how are you doing? How are you educating people? Which isn't a very big leap when you when you hear you talk about it like this, but it's still a change, right? It's still a change in the market. It is indeed. I mean, just going back to the notion of an agile structure, we have a a tool called an agile partnership, right? Especially made for those early conversations well actually they're conversations that can take place at any time in the uh, evolution of a business but an e easy example is is in those early stages when when commitments are made people will often be very um, concerned or reserved in making the commitment because they don't know what's actually going to come to pass yeah right? but if you can agree on a set of uh principles in terms of what's going to be delivered, you can make that commitment now. And those those uh, deliveries or contributions don't have to be, you know, just as we were talking about earlier, you know, as, as straightforward as just tenure or time in, uh, in the, the business together. You can have them very flexible. You can have, you know, uh, a set of milestones built out over time. You know, if, if you're saying that the person will get, um, a certain number of shares or proportion of the business based on uh, delivery of X. X can just be a straightforward number. You know, let's say um, you get me a, a, an investment of five million and you'll get that number of shares. Or it could be that X is actually made up of lots of sub milestones, you know, X1 plus X2 plus X3. The fact is that equity and the, the agreements that we put together can all literally be taken down to maths at the end of the day. And as long as you can make, as I said earlier, make those deliveries tangible, measurable and specific, you can then see what, what was actually delivered and what was, uh, what was not. And there, therefore, the fear and the pace at which people are willing to make decisions can just be accelerated. You want to do this, this thing together? Great, let's shake hands on it. Based on you bringing that, me bringing this, let's set, put that in place. If you actually bring to the table what you promised, you'll get your proportion of the business. If you don't, you won't. It's very, very simple. Do you have an overall um, sort of uh, viewpoint or value system which this enables the good people to rise to the top? Do you have, do you have that as a kind of in the company or actually what we're doing is we're enabling you know, because it's so fluid and the right people can connect quicker, actually, we want to sort of enable much better relationships of a higher quality and see those founders and those startups win. Do you have that viewpoint? I think that's inherent in the way way that we work. I mean, to start off with, the, there are lots of uh, founders out there. Many of them are honest, uh, straightforward folk, but there are people who are, are not quite so uh, so straightforward they, so historically you the, the other side of the equation is is as prevalent where founders will promise people a, an amount of uh, a number of shares or uh, options based on them doing something the person does the thing and then oh well now it's just you know it's just too complicated getting the, those shares sorted or I was only thinking about you uh, getting you know 50,000 versus this 500,000 
uh, of value that has been accrued. So, so that relationship is, is um, very much a, a two-way thing. And so that there are founders out there who have historically not played um, a, a fair proposition. What the platform does is makes sure that if you agree to a thing, then that so long as it's tangible and measurable and you can demonstrate that you did it and you delivered it, then the founder's ability to, to not reward you in the way that was agreed when you shook hands on the deal is you know, very difficult. Yes, there may well be a, uh, the, a dispute, but if the, the delivery is tangible and measurable, it's straightforward. It's a contract. And I guess if you extrapolate that, finding. if you extrapolate out to two, three years and people are using your model, mm-hmm. you should get a net effect where the, the best people, um, once it becomes so easy to do this and becomes common wisdom within the market, this is how it works, then, then you will ideally get the cream rising to the top, right? Because you won't do deals with people. Once you, once you know you can issue shares immediately and manage that process really fluidly, surely then that transact the nature of that transaction tightens up you know that the, so we have a, a, a term called co-pilots in the work that we do of people that bring market insight access resources and skills yeah. which is i hear you talking about exactly the same kind of thing and that those people haven't traditionally been enabled to kind of come in and add immediate value and that value might as we know i know it sounds like a cliche but it could be one phone call right or one email and it exponentially changes the business and, and we, we need to free up that category of people to want to be able to come in and out of these startups and add value in a very fluid way, be it rather than, you know, sort of in the clunky sort of time delayed way that it is at the moment, non-transparent, because I do think that there is this class of people that can help being very specific and understanding that value in the way that you're describing, I think really changes a lot. I'd be interested in what you think of, think of that. There are lots of people who, you know, you use the example of the, the connections, a, a telephone call. You know, if they deliver that thing, if, if their promise is to, you know, the, the easiest one is, let's say, uh, an introduction to a material um, buyer or yeah. a customer yeah. or even a, a material investor. If the understanding with that individual is if you do that, you'll get these shares. Now, clearly, once they've done that thing, the value of the business has increased. Yeah. Yep. So getting the shares at that point makes no sense because they've already added value to them. And yep. so, it's, you know, the, the growth is, uh, uh, and the value of the share increase has eluded them. But if you can feel with confidence, I can agree with you right now that if you do that, you'll get the shares. If you don't, the, the shares will come back. But you create the, the transaction, the tax point, basically the understanding right now it makes it possible for people to uh, step into such agreements without the fear or consternation of oh will i actually get the shares if i do this thing or um, will the person actually um, deliver that investment or that uh, customer if i give them the shares now so it allows you to make the agreement and move forward with full faith in the person to deliver what their, their, their side of the deal is. And if they don't, it's easy enough. It's a, you know, a click of a few buttons to resolve to the actual delivery. So just, just on that point as a kind of closing thought, 
So you, what your the future is, which sounds like the future is here today. Again, we're talking. You say to me, Dan, if you can make that introduction um, to that person, that's worth X. If you yeah. can do it in this timeline, and they and and this happens, I agree to this. Yeah. And that we can set that up after right this now. call straight right. away. Right now. Put that in place within minutes, within an hour. With, 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 assuming we know, you know, the, 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 there's there's enough understanding of the platform. It's minutes, or it's 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 what, what's the timeline? In, in terms of setting, depending on the nature of the, the the transaction, the agreement can be set now, and uh, the documentation behind that will be you know, in place within a a week or two of that understanding. Yeah. Because obviously, what, when you're doing a, a, a value a, a transaction associated with shares, you need to make sure that the valuation of those shares is true as of now, so that the tax point is set based on that value right now. So, if if you've already joined the vested platform and you've already got a, a valuation that's valid, because there is a time horizon for validity of uh, uh, valuations then you, you could have that transaction sorted out within moments. Okay, so then this is the this is the last thought before I just want to ask you just some broader founder tech questions and leave, and leave you with that. So do you have a view on the cap table itself? So most cap tables aren't very good in startups, right? They sit there, they're static, they don't yield value, you know, they just they just aren't very good. Um, and, you, and you've got legacy arrangements. I'm assuming Again, you know, if you extrapolate what you're saying, your kind of cap tables for the companies that you've empowered are very dynamic and very transparent. And you can see who's adding what, when, and you know, and 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 equally, the the shareholders in that cap table are, are much of a different degree of ownership. And then and 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 again, to use an example, feel like if I bring you know, it's six months down the line from our conversation, I go, hey, FT, I just met this person. Um, I think they'd be amazing, and it could change your turnover by five times we can incorporate that immediately into the agreement. So it's encouraging all of that dynamic behavior. Is that is that correct? Absolutely. Clearly, when you start doing stuff with your equity, other than just selling it to uh, an investor, you add a huge amount of, of complexity into that. Yeah. What, part of what we do is just take that complexity out for you. Everything to do with your equity um, it is in one place. It's a single truth. We have a direct link with Companies House, two-way dynamic link so the truth is on your your on the vested platform that will always be communicated with company's house uh, at any point in time the annual confirmation statements that the platform will just do that for you so you can get an overview of everything that's live or dynamic any conditional shares any uh, warrants uh, any options you can see everything to do with your equity in one place and it's always the the latest situation the people who are receiving the equity can also see what their commitment and obligation to you is. They can actually do lots of what-if scenarios themselves as well in terms of, well, if the share price gets to, to this number, what, what does that mean for me net post, you know, uh, post whatever excise price or um, hurdle that I've got? What, what is this thing worth? So it gets everybody vested in the outcome which is the success of the enterprise, the growth of the share price. That, that's, if there's one point for everybody to take away, 
it's the notion and the understanding that equity is the one thing that aligns everybody's interest yeah business it's that one thing that everybody wants that number to be as high as possible and yeah it, it it gets everybody working to the same outcome, the success of the enterprise rather than the success of you know, your your little piece of the pot or uh, yep. uh, a department or, or anything else. So, okay, look, I, I think what you're doing is is, is so necessary and brilliant. And um, I'd actually had the, a conversation about what if it shares and equity could behave like this with someone, um, one of my shareholders about a year ago when we were, we were, we were looking at it and kind of going, well, someone must do this. So it's wonderful to see that you've done it. Um, so what are what we're calling like the APIs, which we list in the show notes? What are the people, ideas, other platforms, uh, podcasts, books that you're reading that inform your thinking, that form and the ideas that we're talking about, but just generally inform your thinking? More generally, in relation to... Um, Things like equity distribution. One one book that I read a long time ago, which I thought was uh, excellent, is um, Mike Moyer's Slicing Pie: How You Distribute yep. uh, Equity Between Early Stage Businesses. But it was all around doing it through a spreadsheet, and the yeah the, the tangibility of the value wasn't wasn't there. It's something that Mike and I have discussed at, at length on several uh, occasions, and it's something that. Uh, he sees our, our platform as being able to you know, make uh, make real the, the stuff that he's been uh, doing. I think the um, the other books, uh, just from a, a founder to founder perspective, one of the things that's uh, really um, been interesting for me is uh, and what we're working on all the time is how we can add value to our our, our customers more as members, uh, and it's a, a book called The Membership. Uh, economy um, and I don't know the author of it but uh, yeah it's, it's, it's certainly something that uh, founders um, yeah could benefit from but the, the, there's hundreds of books obviously here from the lean startup all the way on so uh, what about in, in terms of just podcasts themselves what's your one or two go-to's that you listen to just it could be on a personal level or anything that, that you enjoy and you enjoy the content on um, I, I guess I don't listen to as many podcasts, but I love TED Talks when I uh, uh, when I have time. Stuff around AI, um, stuff around uh, Web 3.0. Um, there's just a, a wondrous amount of, of uh, knowledge out there, and bringing it together. Um, one yeah. might, one person we might both know could finish on. Do you remember Richard Browning from BP? Richard Browning, the, the guy who learned how to fly, the real Iron Man. Do you remember him? No. Well, if you close on this, he he worked at BP and he he taken it into his own stride to bring startups into BP. He was a trader about right. five six years ago, and uh, I met him. Was introduced to him. There's someone you know that might be an interesting conversation. And I met him when we met in Canary Wharf at a cafe just above the offices. And, and at the end of the conversation, he showed me his phone. He said, look, this is what I'm really doing. I'm learning how to fly. I said, what? So he said, oh, yeah, I've been down to B&Q. And he strapped engines on his legs. And it's like, oh, OK, yeah, great. Anyway, we're due to meet up a couple of weeks later, met up in the same cafe. And then he shows me again this footage. And he's like, oh, look, I got a little bit off the ground. He's thinking, great. Anyway, 
he turned into, I said to him, Richard, stop all this nonsense. It's ridiculous. He turned into within six months, he could fly. There's a great yeah. TED talk on him. You should you should watch it. I'll send it to you. Yeah. And and now he literally flies on water. He 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 I just saw a video where he flew up a mountain as a medipat a medivac person. He gets up the mountain in four minutes. He can fly onto, you know, uh, uh, navy ships. And he taught himself how to, how to it's, it's it's my proudest and least proud moment because I said to him, This is never gonna work, Richard. Like, what are you doing? Let's just do the startup thing. So he, he's always my go-to of like like a founder that completely broke every mold and literally did something be you know ahead of everyone else who you would never if you'd have just analyzed him properly while he was sitting at his vp desk you, yeah. you would never have thought i'll send you the link i'll, I'll maybe no, no, it sounds uh, sounds really interesting i just uh, saw him on uh, i've just uh, looked him up uh, yeah, yeah impressive it's inc it's beyond impressive it's incredible but um yeah i just always remember that cafe look this is what i really want to do i want to learn how to fly you're like sure you are <laughs> anyway um if you thanks so much for your time it's been really excellent i i think genuinely think what you're doing is a massive piece of the puzzle i do think you are transforming what equity has been into what it should be there's much more dynamic you know property and device um so yeah, thank you again. Thank you, Dan, and it's been a pleasure.